0: It's the 12th of August, 2021. And in Thailand, it's Mother's Day. So it's the anniversary of the birthday of the the mother of the current king. And so we recollect the goodness of our mother, and also the goodness of the the Queen Mother, Uh, the kindness and compassion that, she always has in her heart for the people of Thailand. And This is extended from the past right until this present day. And helping out the people in many ways, supporting Buddhism, helping to care for monks who are ill, and always having this kindness and compassion towards the people of Thailand. And so, as Thai people, we can think about her goodness, recollect her goodness, the mother of this land. That we can stay together in harmony in this present day is due in part to her goodness. And uh, so we can consider that we're able to be born, is that Is due to the fact that we have a mother and a father, we have parents. And so we rely on them in the womb, Um, as a young child, as a baby, we rely upon our mother. And when we chant, we start off with the word nammo, and what this means is the earth element and the water element. So these earth and water elements, they come together, and then the fire and the wind element comes in afterwards. And the mind then arrives and takes residence um, in this body, and then attaches to it as me and mine. And when we have this attachment as me and mine, then we'll have our mother and our father as well. And when we have our mother and father, then we also have their goodness that they give to us. And as such, we need to repay that goodness as best as we can do. In terms of worldly ways, this means to study well. It means that we um, go out to work and we do our occupations well. And uh, so we try to find the opportunity to repay this goodness that they have given us and try to live our lives well and to not uh, use this life in any bad way, to not um, be degenerate or um, do anything harmful. And so the... The parents are like the arahants of a child. Or we could say that they are um, devas, they are angels for the child. We could also refer to them as a child's Brahma gods as well. In that mothers and fathers, they have this constant kindness for their children. So like when a mother is pregnant, and she takes very good care over what she eats, and she doesn't want for any of the food that she takes to harm her child. And so there's this connection there between the mother and the child. If the mother feels anything, any emotions, then the child feels those as well. When the mother eats something, then the child um, knows the taste of that food too, because the child needs to depend upon this food, depend upon the water, the liquid of the mother in order to grow and develop. It also depends upon the mother's breath and thus too gets sent to the child. So there's this very strong connection there between the child and the mother. And the mother always has good wishes for their child. And if anything happens to the child, then the mother instinctively knows what's going on. And this is talking about just one child, but it's um, possible that the mother's pregnant with twins or triplets. And in that case, it's really not easy for their mother. And we can try tying some heavy weights around our waist, maybe 10 kilograms, and it's really not easy to be carrying all that weight around. And um, so the parents, they take such good care of their children. And sometimes even though the mothers are very close to giving birth, um, still she goes out to work, she doesn't stop working. And why is that? Well, because she needs the money to help care for her child. And the parents, both of them, can really work themselves and um, get quite tired uh, because they know that they have to look after their child after they're born. They have to constantly care for them, try to give them good support so that they can study well, and try to find a place for them to stay, for them to live, try to find money to support them while they're studying, so that they can gain knowledge, and so that they can go out and work and get a good occupation and help to uh, develop their own lives. And uh, so the parents are like the angels of a child, and they help the child. And the duty of the child, then, is to to study well, to really set their hearts on their studies, and try to be foremost in something, um, whether that's a particular subject that they're studying, or whether it's in um, a sport, or as an athlete. So that they have a good future ahead of them. And so we see this um, example of this 14-year-old Chinese girl uh, who is training herself as an athlete. And she, didn't, she never went out to play with her friends, she never went out to run around, she'd never been to a playground before. And this was because her mother had got into an accident and was unwell due to that. And her father's um, kind of income or status wasn't very good at all. So she focused and set her heart on training in diving. Diving from a 10-meter board from the age of 7 till 14. And due to the training and all the time and effort that she put in, she was able to succeed in this and gain an Olympic gold medal. And it's really not easy to do this at all requires great discipline, requires great focus and effort in order to succeed in this way. But she was willing to do all of that for the sake of her mother. She's one who had these qualities of katanyu and katavedi, knowing the and being aware of the goodness of her mother and wishing to repay that goodness as well. And so she really loved her mother, and even though she is a child, she has a very high mind, a very lofty heart, and knows the great kindness and compassion that her mother has. And so we see that if the child gains goodness, if they succeed, then the mother feels happy as well. And really they're they're not separate, one thing, that a mother loves herself and loves her child in the same way, and sometimes loves her child even more than herself. And so looks after her child to the best of her abilities. And if the child is sick, then the mother cares for her um, as best as she can. And if she was able to exchange her own life for her child's life, to help out her child, then she would accept that, she would take that. And so the great kindness, the great love of a mother is like this. And sometimes it's natural that the child does something wrong and misbehaves in some way, but the mother's able to always forgive their child. And whatever happens, whatever they do, they always have this love for their children. Because their child is their own mother's blood and flesh. They've got this very high, lofty love for their children. Just like that of a Brahma God. They have this kindness and compassion, this sympathetic joy towards their child. And so when we chant uh, the verses of loving kindness, the Karyana Metta Sutta, Karaniya Metta Sutta, rather, uh, we chant Metancha uh, sabha Loka Sming, and the the passage which starts with that, it's recollecting the, the love of a mother. And so the Buddha, he brings up this example for us to, to reflect upon, for us to take, <laughs> bringing up the love of a mother for her child that's in her womb. So we take this as our example and try to develop our own loving kindness in this way, just like that of a mother. So as children, then, we've taken the flesh and the blood of our parents and we use this to practice. And if we gain an understanding into the Four Noble Truths, a clear understanding, then this is able to repay the goodness of our parents. But our minds, they do need to gain this knowledge, to gain this knowledge into not-self, into things not being me or mine, and this is really the ultimate, gaining knowledge into anatta, seeing all things, is being empty, there's not really anything there. But even those who gain this knowledge, they also are aware of conventions as well, and they're aware of that they still have this duty to repay the goodness, the kindness of their parents. They're aware that they're able to see the Dhamma due to the body that they gained from their parents, that this gave them the opportunity to practice. And if their bodies were severely disabled, then it would be difficult for them to do that. Uh, But oftentimes, even though we may have a disability, we can still practice as well. And so the goodness of our mother and father is great. It's like their arahants for us. And if we kill our parents, um, then this is a very heavy karma that we create. And in that situation, it's impossible for us to see the Dhamma in this life. And in our next life, we need to fall. We need to go to a state of woe. So like uh, Prince Ajata who killed his father. But if he hadn't killed his father, then... Through the teachings of the Buddha, he would be able to attain to sotapanna in his life. But due to the very heavy results of this heavy karma, he couldn't do that. Even though he had such strong faith in Buddhism, even though he hosted the first sangha council, but due to the results of that karma that he had created through killing his father, um, that was an obstruction that he couldn't overcome in that life. So our mothers, our fathers, they have this great kindness, this great goodness for us, and so we should recollect that. And if we do anything that is aggravating to them, um, that is displeasing, then we should ask forgiveness from them, that we don't wish to create bad karma between us, we don't wish for there to be anything bad between us. And it's normal for this to happen at times, for us to slip up at times. But we ask for our forgiveness. Ask for their forgiveness, rather. So today it's Mother's Day and we recollect the goodness of our mothers. And it's also a wise idea for us to ask forgiveness from them as well, for anything that we have done wrong. And even though we may be at distance from one another due to the pandemic, we can still show our love to them uh, at a distance as well and maybe we can uh think about them we can buy some flowers for them online and get that sent to their houses because the mothers they never forget about their children and so as children we should be remembering our parents as well uh, because they really gave everything that they had for their children. So, are we willing to give a lot for our parents as well? So, people may gain knowledge in this world, and um, but a knowledge which is very deep, a really deep um, recognition of the goodness of our mothers, it's very few who actually have that, who really can sincerely acknowledge that and understand that. And so today it's Mother's Day, and even though this is just a convention, it's a very important convention, recollecting the goodness of our mothers and of the mother of this land as well. And if we look even deeper, we can recollect the goodness of the fully self awakened Buddha because if we didn't have him, if he hadn't attained to the Dhamma, then he wouldn't have been able to point the Dhamma out to us, and there wouldn't be any savakas, there wouldn't be any awakened disciples arising in the world. So it's been 2,564 years now since the Buddha passed away into Fauna and but we can still see the goodness of the Buddha here. And uh, the Dhamma and the Vinaya that the Buddha laid down, it's like our mother and our father. And so we should try to care for this Dhamma and Vinaya well. And those who see the Dhamma, they see the Buddha, and they in turn become Sāvakas, become awakened disciples, understanding and comprehending the very deep and broad uh, limitless compassion of the Buddha. So, if we didn't have a mother and a father, then we wouldn't be able to be born. We wouldn't have the opportunity to listen to the Dhamma, to practice the Dhamma. And if we didn't meet with the Dhamma, um, then we wouldn't be able or have the opportunity to really see the Buddha. So from these teachings of uh, the Buddha there are those that have followed those teachings and practiced them well uh, such as Lampocha venerable Ajahn Chah. he practiced following the dhamma and the vinaya the teachings of the Buddha and the discipline the monastic code and he had a very high and deep respect for both the dhamma and the vinaya a very deep respect for the Buddha And this is what allowed him to attain to the highest level of awakening, to arahantship. So if we practice the Dhamma, and eventually we'll see into the nature of emptiness, how all things arise and cease, and we see the Dhamma, we attain to the Dhamma. But in order to attain to that, we need to see the state of arising and ceasing, and then wisdom can arise. So this wisdom at some point is very important, right? Just like how we chant at the Dhamma Chakapavatana Sutta. It points to the path out of suffering. And what leads us along that path is samaditi, this right view, which in essence is wisdom. And uh, so this right view, it's we can gain this with clarity, a clear knowledge of the Dhamma, the teachings of the Buddha really understand these well, understand into the nature of suffering, the cause of suffering, its cessation the path leading out of suffering. And so even though we listen to this and we know this to a degree, we need to get there, we need to actually practice in order so, so that we experience that, so that we reach that for ourselves so that the understanding that we have into it goes very deep. So how do we get there? How do we gain this deep understanding? Well, in the beginning, we need to develop our generosity. We need to sacrifice, to not be selfish. And we need to establish this first. For the laity, you have, or many of you are both children, children and also you are parents as well. So it's important to care for one's parents, and also to support our children at the same time. Just in the same way that our parents cared for us, so we look after our children. But it's also important that we don't forget our own parents, we don't neglect them. And then we really try to put an effort into this path of practice. We set our hearts on it, into raising goodness as best we can. Because the current state of the world, it's changing, it's changing a lot. And we've all seen this. We've seen how friends, close companions, become separated from each other, following causes and conditions. And no one imagined that this would happen to the world. But really it's just nature, it's just nature for the world to be in this way, that it goes through its phases. So what then should we do? We should take these minds of ours and train them, we should practice well. We meditate in order for our samadhi to become well established, in order for us to walk this path of virtue-collectedness and wisdom. As we all know, this is the path that leads to Nibbana, the path that leads to knowledge. But we need to set our hearts on this. We need to bring up the power of our faith and really focus on this, to give it our best, to use what's left of this life that we have. And really, for most of us, it's not all that long very few of us will live even fifty more years, that for those uh, who are here, that some may be as young as twenty or thirty years, um, so it's very unlikely that really many or anyone will live seventy more years. Uh, that if we're thirty years old now, then seventy, that's a hundred, and so probably Within 70 years, um, everyone here will be gone, leaving this body of ours behind in the world, just like what it was before. When these elements deteriorate, they disband, they break apart. So contemplating and reflecting in this way, really it's enough to bring up a sense of dismay, a sense of disenchantment, and also wisdom as well seeing how things are not sure in this way. And the great teachers, the vast majority of them, have passed away into Nibbāna already. And there are those who were bodhisattvas and they have left this world and gone to a high deva realm. And so what should we do then? Well, We can reflect upon their lives and take them as our examples and try to live our lives in practice, um, following their example. And they taught us to not be heedless. The Buddha taught us to not be heedless. Because heedlessness is the path to the deathless, but by being heedful we're as if already dead. And so do we see this? There are a lot of people who are suffering, who are experiencing pain and stress. But the suffering is a noble truth of suffering. So we should look at that and ask ourselves, why do people suffer in this way? And if they didn't need to go out, they didn't need to find food, then they wouldn't have to go through all the suffering, would they? But it's because of the search for nourishment that we have to go out and we have to subject ourselves to the possibility of getting an illness, of getting into accidents, of having all these difficulties. And that's because we have to care for these bodies, we have to support these bodies. But if we were just able to stay still, we didn't have to get any food, we could just drink water, and that would be enough to survive, then it's unlikely that this COVID virus would be such a problem that it would have spread so far and wide. But it's because of that search for food that we need to engage in every day that it brings us all this difficulty. So we contemplate that the reason we have suffering like this is due to the fact that we have these bodies. And we see that it really is a cause of suffering for us, that this body is a heap of pain, of suffering. It's a place, it's a residence for illnesses and bacteria and viruses, And so really, these germs, they do exist in other places, but they're especially fond of these bodies, some of them. Uh, Because these bodies have cells, they have life. And so these germs, they want to come and stay here as well. And even though we don't invite them in, they come all the same. Even though we don't want to get sick, we still get sick. Even though we don't want to get old, we don't want to go through pain, we don't want to die. We still have to experience all of these things, all the same. And so when this is the case, then if we get sick, then if we survive, then we survive. And if we don't survive, then we just have to accept that. But whatever the case, we shouldn't be heedless. Each day we chant, we meditate, we reflect upon the nature of in constancy, stress, and not self, in all material and mental things, so that this becomes apparent and clear for us, and so that through doing this we gain true value. For the monastics, we're receiving the kindness of the Buddha, and that the laity they wish to gain merit um, by making offerings to the monks, And so they support us in every way. So in response, we should complete our duties and our work to the best of our abilities through our faith, recollecting the faith of the laity who support us. And so we set our hearts and focus on this practice so that we may see and understand the nature and the state of the Dhamma. And this, in essence, is the nature of arising and ceasing. So we can ask ourselves, what is there in this world which doesn't arise and doesn't cease? We see even the grand structures that are built, all these high-rises, homes, different buildings, all of them arise and cease. And they may stay for a long time, but they still have to fall apart at some point. And even though some buildings may have been around for a hundred years already, the people who built them have all died. And those who are born into this world, they're able to see some of these amazing structures. Uh, but we need to think that all of the people who built them have passed away already, and whatever the case, Everyone needs to die. And so these external things, they're just things in this world, all these buildings, all these structures, they're just materials of the world, and none of them are able to take us out of suffering. For that, we need the Dhamma, and that is what can lead us out of suffering. So we recollect the goodness of our mothers and our fathers, we recollect the goodness of the Buddha. And then we set our hearts on practicing so that we can see and perceive how all things arise and cease. And we can see that in this very life. So we recollect that our mothers alike are the arahants uh, for their children. And we try to repay their goodness through building up our own goodness, through studying well, through working well, through being moral good people. And perhaps we, if we gain the Dhamma, then we're able to teach our parents the Dhamma as well, so that they themselves may have Dhamma. For myself, uh, before I ordained, um, when I was thinking about ordination, I was kind of worried that if I became a monk, then it would be my siblings who would have to look after my parents, and I wouldn't be able to look after them. I'd have to leave it all to them. But I reflected upon a teaching of the Buddha and how he said that even if one were to care for one's parents very well for one's whole life, um, that wouldn't um, compare to increasing the level of uh, one's parents' morality and virtue. And teaching the parents this path of um, dana sila, bhavana, of generosity, of virtue, and meditation—that um, this is the highest thing that one can do for one's parents. And so I ordained as a monk, and I was staying at Lampujha's monastery in Ubon, and my mother would think of me there. And before I ordained, I'd often suggest to my mother to offer food to the monks on arms round, but she would respond. That she didn't have the time, and so I would go and offer food to the monks instead. But after I ordained, my mother would go out every single morning to offer food to the monks. And so she gained the benefit of that as well. And each day we, she, should, she would go out. And so this um, actually helped her quite a lot, because there's one day that she didn't go out to offer food and the monks, they were surprised, and so they asked about her, asked about her well-being. And it turned out that she actually had some heart problems. And she'd had this these problems um, ever since she was a child, but she just wasn't aware of them. Uh, but because the monks had checked up on her, then she went to get a check, and she found that she did have um, this heart disorder. Um. And she was about 60 years old at that point. So may all of you really set your hearts on this path of practice. And may you all be sincere in meditating together on this day.